told of a creature that was six and a half to seven feet tall. The CIA ran secret mind control experiments. It's a tale of a creature that's been seen by many, but believed by few. And experts say there have been reported sightings of paranormal activity. And there was this creature and it ran down this hill. They say something was flying over their house and they have no idea what it was. How the world's most powerful individuals are actually shape-shifting reptilians. My scariest ghost hunting experience. Good Thursday evening. This is Paranormal IRL. I'm your host, JV, along with co-host Britt Griffith. Yes, I am sporting feathered 80s hair tonight. Only because, Britt, I hate getting my hair cut more than I hate almost anything else in the world. But it's gotten to the point where I'm going to need to do this. I'm going to need to break down, get it cut, because when I have to start feathering it back like that and having the headphones holding out of my eyes, I know it's time. All right, sir, mix a lot. <laughs> mix a lot. Where'd that come from? Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month less than a dollar goes a long way in helping us produce this program provide great interviews for you during the course of the week i thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program this episode is brought to you by kia's first three-row all-electric suv the kia ev9 with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next Visit kia.com slash ev9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Sir Mix-a-Lot, you're, the, you're DJ, you're music, you're, you're, you're mixing. Oh, the theme? You're in the rave thing. You, you like the theme yeah, still, the theme. huh? I still, I'm still under the theme. Like, how long can you mix that out for and put all the, the ins and outs in it and... But, I mean, I, I want to see you behind a turntable going, <laughs> doing all the dirt. I, I want to see all the while your hair is is Farrah Fawcett feathered back. You know, oh my God. you remember that we used to have the the, the straight comb. Yeah, in your yeah. back pocket had a little pointed tail on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you would just you would just feather. And yeah, just of course. Feather. Yeah, and it would just be this big wing thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before Flock of Seagulls put a bunch of hairspray in his and made the wing yeah. thing. Yeah. But since we're talking about music. You were telling me about, and while we're waiting for people to uh, filter in here and, and, you know, and the show goes live and whatnot. Uh, oh, God, I one right out of the bat. You, and you almost what missed not? it. I um, know. <laughs> you almost missed it. Um, you, you know, you were telling me about the Eagles documentary. You know, we yeah. had the El- John documentary, yeah. the, the, this Elvis documentary. I stumbled, and I don't know if it's new or not, but I stumbled across one today called The, the Pistols. It's about the Sex Pistols okay. and how they started. I'm, I'm I'm a half episode into it, and it's really good. Wow. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily a Sex Pistols fan, yeah, but just the whole, you know, the whole, the bands becoming a band and all that. It's just yeah. 
Well, and it's, it's really well done. Anyway, so another one to put on your list. Yeah, the Sex Pistols kind of started the punk movement, I think. Or at least one of the major movers in the punk early punk days, yeah. So it probably is yeah, very interesting. Yeah, the opening scenes are... Yeah, they're stealing uh, microphones and equipment off of David Bowie's stage. <laughs> I don't believe. I don't believe. I don't. That's how they got. That their does first not surprise <laughs> me. That does not surprise. But I want to go back. I want to go back to this mix a lot thing. Now, as you know, Britt, and you talk about it yes. often, I've been in radio for over thirty years. I've done everything, yeah, but forever. I, I, uh, with, with the exception of being a radio station owner, which I did for a number of years, I spent the most time behind a microphone with two turntables and a mixing board. Right, running a running a music you know radio show, whether it was the morning show, afternoon show, midday, I did it all overnights. I've done it all before it was before it was automated, right? So you had to like yeah. you had to like stop the music and start the music on the next. Yeah. And I queued up the records. Seamless, right? I queued up the records on the turntables. You know, I'd have one turntable, generally one on each side. Some studios had two on one side, uh, and you know, you see cue mop, and and you're starting them manually, and you're talking, and all the records had had cue burn in the beginning of the songs because they, you know, when you cue them you're going back and forth on the same little spot so they would the needle you know the diamond stylus would burn a little into the vinyl and create oh. the, what was called cue burn and so you know any record that had been there a while would have cue burn in it you know so it, it was it was when radio was an art form it was when it was actually yes. something that you invested yourself into when i ended up owning radio stations is the time when everything became automated so software was choosing the music for you and making the segues for you and doing all the real work and you just jump in with your voice now and then it kind of took the magic out of it for me but see so now so if you want that magic back mm -hmm. you take all the the digital audio stuff and all the automation stuff and you do what these dj kids are doing now and they're making custom equipment they're pushing buttons and they're yeah. making their own music and doing q burn and and I yeah. can just see you up there rocking out. You got your headset on. You got your pink lipstick on. <laughs> no you're drinking some fruity, some fruity drink with an no. umbrella in it. You're rocking. You're you're <laughs> no. glowing under the black lights. You know the 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 the, the 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 glow in the dark uh, paint is going everywhere. We're <laughs> no. dropping acid, doing some DMT, and you're just up there going to town. Are you having? Are you share? Are you projecting onto me what your fantasy is for yourself? Because man, none of that sounds like me. I just like your theme song. Okay, well, that, that's but where see, that's, it. Yeah. It, it, that's it. Okay, so you have this very stodgy suit and tie. I'm Mr. Serious. And then you produce this insane uh, uh, opening theme song that is very uh, <laughs> uh, kid rave, you know, dropping acid, smoking pot. I just, mm -hmm. you know, everybody jumping at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like when Queen made the whole stadium jump to the left and then jump to the right. And mm -hmm. he could, that's what it's like to me. Wow. What you're doing with the theme song. You, I don't know where this this new Brit came from, but the old Brit was uh, didn't have this kind of an imagination. I don't, I don't know what's happened in the in the course of a couple of days it's here. The, <laughs> it's the DMT I'm taking. It's amazing. Okay, well that's good to know. You know what though? Let me tell you about what really is going on here. We uh, we're going to be talking uh, with an experiencer tonight. Now, um, you know there are a few folks that we have a, a real pleasure and an opportunity and an honor to speak with during the course of this. Uh, program and the interviews that we do here, whether it's the original version of the program, which was Beyond Reality, or this this rebranded version, which is Paranormal IRL. And there are people who, through the course of their lives, have recognized that in the past, something had happened to them that was uh, traumatic. Um, 
it, uh, many ways hidden in the recesses of their memories and certain things will trigger those memories and certain things will make them seek help and then they seek help and they realize that they've had these experiences that they've hidden away uh, and in and, and, and their subconscious and they're amazing stories and we've got one such story tonight. Um, Wes Roberts, Wes G. Roberts is our guest tonight and uh, we're going to learn about what happened to him as a young man uh, and how he had the epiphany along the course of his life where he decided A, he was going to figure out what the story was, what happened to him, but B, what he was going to do about it and how he was going to share it with others and help others uh, through those experiences. So, uh, Wes, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us tonight. Thank you very much, uh, Britt and JB. This high energy, you know, I got up at 5.30 this morning. I'm awake again. <laughs> Good to know. Good to, yeah, you can't help it when, when when you got Mr. Imagination over here, Britt Griffith, coming out with all these scenarios with rock and roll music and whatever he said, disco balls, whatever was going on there. Um, Wes, I, I kind of outlined your story a little. By the way, I should mention, too, Wes is also the author of a couple books, including Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Um, Wes, you were living your life. I, I'm assuming you felt like it was a normal life and everything was going splendidly. And yet, yet, yet something was was happening to you that was making you think there was more to your story than you realized. Walk us through how that awakening happened. You know, I kind of feel like um, the premise for many Twilight Zone episodes, a, uh, a regular guy in irregular circumstances. You know, a, a lot of those episodes were like that. And so... Um, I paid a lot of attention to dreams and things and, and thought I pretty much had a, had a bead on how dreams worked and how fluidic they were. And so I, I had that in the back of my mind is one day in the 80s, I had a really unique experience uh, that I transitioned to uh, through a dream. And I woke up uh, totally remembering it and had to go write it down. But for the first few seconds, uh, I was awake, I was sitting up in bed and watching the, the digital clock um, go through five minutes and five seconds. So I, wow. I, I, had some, I had some temporal displacement of some kind. I, uh, somebody said a time loop or something like that, I don't know. Um, but after I saw that, I thought, this is real peculiar. Uh, so I had my partner sleeping beside me and, and that's a whole other piece of this. And I ran into the other room <laughs> and scratched all this out on paper. And so that's basically how it started. And then I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I just kept replaying it and thinking, this, this does not have the qualities of a dream, not of imagination. Um, uh, no booze that night, no drugs, <laughs> you know, the whole nine <laughs> yards. <laughs> so I was pretty, pretty sober going into it. And uh, when I came home and talked to my partner, it's like, did you, anything strange happen here last night? And she eventually revealed that she was uh, somewhat catatonic. So she was uh, what we would call switched off, largely switched off. Was that, was that, um, was that a unique uh, circumstance for, for her? Or was she normally, is that the way she normally slept in, in which she was, no, as you put it, slept? No, that wasn't normal. Okay, so that night it was something unique. It was something unique because she, she was able to recount it later to me saying that she she could hear, uh, but not see, not move, not anything. And, wow. you know, I came, I came later to find out, and, and I'm sure you've talked to other folks like me, that, uh, you know, if they don't want somebody involved, that's what they basically do. It's like, you're out, you're in, yeah. you know, and the person that's in goes through the experience. So I just, I left it. Uh, I let it 
fry my mind for almost 20 years before I finally decided I've got to go get some hypnosis because I might be one of those people. So this this experience you had in the 80s, this what you described as a dreamlike experience, yet it wasn't a dream. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was fresh in your mind for all of those 20 years. It, you never forgot. You didn't hide it away in the back of your mind. It was there. It was yeah. gnawing at you for a long time. And it just built up to a point where you decided, I need answers. Yeah, around around 17 years into thinking, what the heck was this? And trying to go back to this location, which I have never been able to do in hypnosis or otherwise, I've never been able to get back there. But after all, about 17 years, I started to get real agitated. And uh, it was it was affecting my uh, mental health. I was emotionally not well. I wasn't sleeping hardly at all. Um, I don't mind saying I was afraid to go to sleep. I was afraid to close my eyes, actually. And my experiences weren't all that horrendous. Um, uh, only a handful were really bad experiences. but. I, I couldn't go to sleep. I, I was afraid to close my eyes. I thought they, they would come get me if I closed my eyes. So finally, it was starting to affect me on the job to an extent. So I'm a contract college professor, and it's like I can't let this affect me. You know, I'm organized. I teach technology. This does not fit, you know, does not fit into my life. So I finally, with the edging on of a friend of mine, uh, went to see uh, my, who's now my pal, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, for my first session. We, um, and, uh, I, I just, I just make yeah. it just as a side comment here. We've actually mm-hmm. got Leslie scheduled to come on the program. I think it's the 16th of this month. Uh, so we'll be talking oh, with Leslie cool as that? well. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. So Leslie did the first session and I was hoping it would uncover what happened in the 1980s. Of course it did not. Um, what, what came up instead was the, the beginning of experiences I had in my childhood that I had no recollection of. Oh, wow. Zero. And so the first session was shocking because I said to Leslie, you know, tears in my eyes, um, is this for real? You know, is this whole thing for real? I was afraid it was not for real. Were these sessions hypnosis? Is that what it was going on here or was it something different? Yes, I should have said that. Yeah, Um, I I went to get hypnosis about the 1980s experience. And um, the way Leslie operates as, as a reputable hypnotherapist is no suggestions are ever made, you know, about what I would see or not see. It's just like, let's walk down the hall and find out what's down there. Just go through a door and what's on the other side of the door. Well, that, that opened up a floodgate. I'd never suspected anything other than the 80s experience. And I'd had a bunch of conscious things happen to me from around age 16, 17. But I never thought about it in these terms. And then it opened up the floodgates, so I uncovered a lot more experiences I did not know I had. Okay, so these experiences that you were, uh, I guess, realizing you were, you were th- through hyp- hypnosis coming to terms with or remembering or ho- however you want to describe it, uh, you had not thought, you had not known about these when you had the 1980s experience. This 1980s experience stayed with you, so for some reason that one was much more uh, front of mind as an experience. It wasn't uh, 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 the type of experience which which uh, you you regressed in memory. You hid from yourself, if you will, or maybe they hid it from you. I don't I don't know. You know whoever they is. Um, so you're coming. You're starting to realize that you've been having experiences for much longer than that 1980s experience uh, when that started. 
Yeah, so uh, with me, it's always been a combination of consciously recalled experiences and experiences through hypnosis. And, and so when I found out, hey, I was three or four years old, uh, when this, this first started to happen to me, I was literally shocked. Yeah. It's like, I was not expecting this. Um, I don't necessarily want this, or at least I didn't think I wanted it. Um, it was more of an abduction thing back when I was young. Then it turned more into what we would call an experiencer thing, where I get to play a limited role as I got older. When you were starting to have the memories returned to you through their hypnotic sessions, or either way, maybe maybe it was a case where you recorded your session and you listened to your playback, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah. is that how it happened? Well, you're totally conscious of everything that's going on under hypnosis unless you go too deep. Yeah. If you go too deep, you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so generally speaking, and I don't know the states off by heart, but I think uh, I'm, I was taken down to uh, fourth theta level or theta level four. Um, I think the fifth level is when your your toast lights out. Um, so I was taken down to a deep level, and uh, I remembered everything. And in fact, later on in the years, because I, I saw her for five years, um, and we did about 35 sessions over those five years. So later on in the experiences, we, we, we thought, let's see if we can communicate with these beings in real time, kind of like a channeling thing, mm -hmm. and, and we did. Oh, wow. Well, uh, we're definitely going to get to that in a minute here. Um, as you were recalling the, these experiences that predated the 1980s experience, what was your emotional state? Did it upset you? Did it anger you? Did it frighten you? Um, or were I you just it curious? Me. It upset me at first, and um, then I became curious, and then I thought, I'm not going to be a revisionist about this. I will simply see if earlier experiences that I could not explain fit into this mold. And so I wasn't retrofitting them. I was just looking back in time saying, aha, you know, the aha moment came along for yeah, me. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that time when I was 15 and saw these figures in my doorway, that must have been part of it. It makes sense now. You know, I didn't have an explanation for certain things that happened to me when I was younger. Um, and, and then as we uncovered all this stuff, I thought, okay, why? <laughs> you know, the big question. Yeah. Why? Why did all this stuff happen? Yeah. Um, I know Britt wants to jump in with some questions here. Let me ask one more, though. You just mentioned seeing right. seeing figures in your doorway. Uh, these experiences that were coming back to you as a child, you mentioned you said they were more abduction type of experiences mm -hmm. that you were learning you had gone through, didn't recognize them. Did you have physical uh, effects on your body that that that, you know, whether it was unusual marks that you never really knew where they came from or. Uh, maybe even an implantation. I don't know. A lot of people have, have had that experience. Did you have anything like that, that, that these uh, hypnotic, hip, hip, sessions of hypnosis were able to explain for you? Um, so a couple of things in answer to that. Um, I've had two or three times uh, I've woken up with marks, triangles, uh, and I know triangles is a common thing. Yeah. Um, I had them on, on my chest. I got up in the morning and my chest was really hot. So I, flipped off my t-shirt and I'm looking there's like two interlocking triangles it's like isn't that interesting and they were hot oh wow. you know yeah. um, they, they didn't scar me but they were warm 
as if they'd just been made sort of thing. And I thought, isn't that curious? And uh, once or twice I had a triangle up here on the forehead. And, and I've talked to a lot of people who've had a lot more than that. I'm not aware I have an implant. Okay. Uh, I'm not aware, so I couldn't say for sure, but I've met someone who had one and had it removed, mm -hmm. you know, in camera, mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. um, obviously the triangle marks, and then Britt, you can take it. The triangle marks, I don't see them on your forehead, so they weren't permanent, right? Is that what you're saying? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah. No, none of them have been permanent, though I have a friend who wakes up every other day with bruises and puncture marks. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, I literally. She's you. showing me pictures. Interesting. So, okay, so uh, the triangle marks, um, do you think it's possible that when they were um, monitoring your body that the marks are from where the equipment that they're using kind of touches you, pushes on you? You know, sometimes you go to the doctor, you get the the EKG val uh, things on, the stickers, and then then it leaves a little, a little <laughs> abrasion on you. Is it possible that that's where the equipment was being used and it happened to be triangle-shaped? Very, very. Um, I had an episode. I used to get pneumonia. I've told this story before. Uh, I used to get pneumonia all the time, and I had an episode where I was really sick. And uh, one of these experiencer moments, I was in a doctor's office. Apparently, it wasn't. doctor was kind of too tall. And uh, its clothes didn't fit very well. Um, and the doctor um, rubbed something over my chest, and my pneumonia went away quickly after that date. Oh wow! So what I'm nice. I'm assuming something touched me is going to be my guess. Something probably touched me. Did so I, I would agree. With interesting. I know, I know Britt's asking questions here, but I just want a clarification on what you right. said. You said the doctor was very tall, didn't really his clothes really didn't fit. Are you suggesting this may not have been a human? I am suggesting that. Okay. I, um, I have sure. no proof of that. Yeah. Um, it, it's just an extra tall person um, who, in my opinion, tried to play the role of a doctor. Yeah, right. Um, to make me feel comfy. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'll buy that. Okay. So so you're an experiencer. You've had quite a mm -hmm. few experiences. Um, mm -hmm. do, am I understanding correctly that there's kind of a, you will also talk to other people who have had experiences? So there's like a group of you and you... Kind of compare notes? Um, okay. Not, certainly not at first. No, no. Um, I was on my now? own with this for a long time. Uh, now, yes, I would trade notes, and I do. Yeah, you now do. I would trade so notes, you are, and I do. Yeah. When you first started opening up and talking to people that were also experiencing stuff, did the notes line up? Did the notes line up? Did they have the same experiences of you? Did it, like, make your mind just get blown that – you weren't the only one? Mm. Um, that that kind of happened. Uh, and interestingly, it happened at the, this thing we used to have up here, the Alien Cosmic Expo. Um, that's where I really got to meet a few people because Leslie and I um, took part in co-hosting it and doing workshops, experience workshops and stuff like that. And we'd be exposed to a number of people that felt they were experiencers and you know saw some scarring on some people saw grown men and women cry at that point i thought i really should start talking to other people like me <laughs> okay um so it seems like the experiencers like you it's a select group of people have you now that you know other people that have experienced have you figured out a common trait like is it maybe where you lived at same geological under earthworks or maybe parents that are connected somehow and they had their own weird stuff worked in, you know, super secret stuff or have some weird cork about them. Have you have you been able to, to roadmap or, or figure out commonalities between the group? I've tried. Um, the only thing I have 
come up with two things, and they, they might be speculative. One is that I, I've always been open um, to what I feel is the fact that there are other life forms in our lives, other beings, whether they're extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial, in another realm, part of the omniverse, right? So I've always been open to that. The other thing is, um, when I was quite young, I learned that I had some degree of psychic ability. That seems to be a commonality. Okay. And that so increases. Increase. So did you know you were psychic or had those abilities or was it when you had this 88, this 80s experience that then opened your mind up and you're like, whoa. So I, I knew it, uh, Britt, because um, when I was a teenager, 15, 16, um, I started going to spiritualist churches. Uh, oh, and spiritualist churches have some fascinating does. I know that this one, this one did. Uh, what a geek, right? Uh, anyway, I started yeah. to investigate this stuff, and um, they promised they would um, they would do workshops and things like clairvoyance and psychometry, the reading of objects and things like that. And if you're interested in going the mediumship route, um, they're probably some of the best folks in the world to be able to do this for you. Um, so I started investigating it, and all, honestly, from my first or second meeting with these people, um, they verified something I thought, that, yeah, I have some kind of psychic talent. And so I've kept that in my back pocket. I don't do a lot with it. But the 80s right. experience for it enhanced it. Really? Okay, cool. Um, so now that you're comfortable with this, now that we're all older and you're paying attention and notes and doing symposiums mm -hmm. and working on it, et cetera, the 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 beings that are coming and visiting you is there like a regular group that are coming or is it always different or is it like oh hey george you're back what's going on how was the trip across space you know i mean or is it always different um generally one of two races and one particular being who came out in my first or second hypnosis session who's been with me my whole life um i'm just going to speculate guess that she's Pleiadian or she is nordic um, so she's quite tall, uh, seven or eight feet tall, and, and just like a stick, just uh, not much of a figure, in, in my opinion, that we would consider to be a figure. Definitely feminine. Um, she showed up when okay. I was a little kid, and she's been in my life the whole time. So I think her race, if it's Pleiadian or tall whites or Nordics, she is the one that's uh, most importantly or most deeply embedded in my life. Um, others have popped up now and again. No grays. No grays that I'm aware of at all. Um, but other brown skin, other brown skin creatures uh, who seem to be helpers uh, have shown up periodically uh, to direct me here, or there, or somewhere else. So mostly, I guess, two races. No reptilians. Um, uh, nobody doing surgery on me that I'm aware of. Um, but some, okay. you know, a little creepy stuff along the way. But most of them positive experiences. Okay, JV, I got one more round of uh, one more question here, maybe two, and then you can take it back. Um, so now that you're communicating with them and the Palladiums and the, I mean, we got all this stuff going on. Is it possible that 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 our modern day religion is based off of interactions like you were having, and uh, that maybe like Jesus Christ, for lack of better words, um, is an alien that was visiting, and that's where the stories came from because. They thought, and this this guy rose from the dead. He went up into the sky. He moved big rocks. Is it possible that it was an alien experience that turned into the one of the most popular religions on the planet that we know of so far? 
I, I think, and I, I'm just going to say, JB, as well, it looks like my video feed just went down. Oh, um, yeah. I, don't, I, hope, I, I hope that you folks can see me. I, will, I don't want to fiddle with it right at this moment, but I will fiddle with it very soon um, to, to see if I can get it back up. It just, it just blanked out, um, which is not unusual uh, for me in yeah. some of these interviews. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, it happens. Uh, so I'll try and get it back for you as soon as I can. Um, I think that we we are geared to see what's in our current time frame in the current way that we see it. And thousands of years ago, um, they would not have recognized the spacecraft. So they thought it maybe was Ezekiel's wheel or something. They thought perhaps angels were coming down to see us. And so I think a lot of the religious stories borrowed on this in order for us mm. to, in order to make it more palpable. And, and eventually people thought, well, that's okay, it's an angel. It's somebody, it's an archangel, somebody coming to help me. And I'm not saying that is not true, I do not know. Um, I, but I'm saying that probably these two things have become intermixed in some people's minds and that the church is probably real interested in this. And oh. I'm just gonna try and get the video popped back up for you. Yeah, I'm sorry about no, that. No, no, go ahead and do that. Uh, I just wanna remind folks, we're talking with Wes G. Roberts. He's an experiencer, also an author. He's written a couple of books. One is called Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. And another book is called An Experiencer's Garden. You can visit his website. It's his name, westgroberts.com. Very, very easy to find. And no, he's not angry in that frozen picture on there. It is just frozen. <laughs> Britt broke it. Britt was asking a question and he broke it. He asked a question about religion and he broke it. See what it happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm curious about that. I, I, I'm assuming he's refreshing right now. Yeah, well, let him, um, let him give him but, a minute. But, you know, it, it It just makes me wonder, because think about it. He went He went to the doctor's office, which back in the day, back 2000, some odd years ago, you go to the shaman or whatever, and then you this, lank, this lanky humanoid-looking thing cures you. Oh, did Jesus just lay okay. hands up? I mean, um, I can see how those stories would spiral. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we got Wes back, and and uh, everything's working again. So, uh, but you know what, Wes, you made a really important point there. You said this is not unusual to have technical problems mm -hmm. when we're having these conversations. I know that for a fact. I mean, I've done for six years, maybe seven years now. I've done an interview four nights a week, and I cannot tell you the number of times we're having a conversation like this where we have mysterious technical problems that we don't have any other times. We don't have them when we're talking about ghosts. We don't have them when we're talking about Bigfoot. But when we're talking about these types of experiences, we get very weird technical anomalies. Uh, do you have an explanation for it, Wes? Because I certainly don't. I, I'm going to say it's about energy. Uh, I work with energy um, as a magician. Um, I, I, uh, I can't say play around with it. I understand something about it. I'm able to feel it. I'm able to give it. Um, when I recognized that I was an abductee, uh, 11, 12 years ago, I found that I could turn that towards some, some degree of healing. I don't claim to be a hands-on healer, but it works. Um, so I'm going to say it's energy. I was talking to a fellow abductee a couple of days ago. She has black helicopters follow her around. She has said that her phone has been tapped. I am not aware of that. And there are other electronic anomalies. So I am not surprised. It frustrates the heck out of me. This is a live show, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, no, it's okay. We we work our way through it, and we were able to cover that one without any problem. And the other thing is, uh, a majority of the distribution of this program is through the later released podcast version of the show, which they won't know any of this happened, which is really, really the great thing about editing. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to go back to the to the first first the uh, the hypnosis induced memories that you had of these early experiences, mm-hmm. and then I want to talk more specifically about the eighties experience that you had which again kind of started all this for you because it made you seek help uh what were some of the things in detail that were coming back to you what was happening to you as a kid uh that you had not known about until you had these sessions so a couple of things jump out i mean when i was able to go through transcripts and stuff like that and able to be assured by leslie that i am not making things up that i'm accessing memory uh so the memory comes from somewhere uh, so she might not claim it comes from an extraterrestrial, but it, it, it's certainly in memory. So a couple of odd things. One was walking down the street with another one of these men that was too tall, whose clothes didn't fit quite right. You know, the pants were too short. The arms, arm length was too short. We're just walking down the street on which I lived. And the next thing I recall, we're on a craft. So that was a physical incident, as far as I can tell. About how old um, that, would that particular incident? Do you know you, how oh old you gosh, were? Oh, gosh. I would have been four or five, okay. I'm going to say. So, yeah. Four or five. I took this creature's hand and walked down the street. Oh, wow. And, and, and then it transitioned. As these things often go through phases or stages, I like to call them. You know, it's like stage one, you do this. Stage two, you find yourself here. You know, stage three, something else happens. Um, but uh, I guess another key one was I met something I call my twin or some, someone who is twinned to me. Um, I met this little alien girl in a farmhouse. This was another physical incident. And it was a real farmhouse, I was told, by whom I can't tell you. These thoughts just appear in my mind. Um, these creatures never speak to me with their mouths. You know, thoughts just appear in yeah, my mind. Right. And they were basically saying, well, you're here with this little girl. It's a real farmhouse and you need to show her around. Uh, So the little girl was a little peculiar looking, you know, bare feet, dangly little arms. Um, Eyes were fairly normal, but kind of a blank stare. And uh, I had to walk around the farmhouse with her pointing things out that all of us would know. This is a fridge. You know, this is a dresser. That's a chair. And she would touch things with her little hands. Um, And that was her way of sensing them more than seeing them. And and then we're wandering around this little farmhouse and we were gonna go upstairs. I wanted to show her the upstairs and she didn't know how to go upstairs. It was just the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the experience faded shortly after that. And they usually do fade after a time with me um, because I have this habit of sort of becoming aware that something's unusual about this. And when I become aware, it's like, Yep. Time, you know, yep. they call time on me. The the consciousness stream stops <laughs> at that point, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I, a, a couple times you've referenced, and I think three now, uh, the doctor office visit uh, when you had pneumonia, the uh, mm-hmm. stranger on the street, which took you somewhere, and this little girl. Mm-hmm. You describe a being that is almost human. Yeah. But little differences, little things that give away they're not quite human. What is, is that their actual form, do you think, in retrospect, as you've learned more about this, Wes? Those, those creatures that you encountered in those three instances, and I'm sure there are others, is that their normal form? Are they wearing some type of, uh, I'll, I'll call it a costume, but, you know, some type of skin that makes them appear humanist, humanish? 
or is this do they project into your mind what they think you should see them as uh, what do you think's happening there i think one of two things is happening and leslie and i talk about this all the time um, they try and adopt a form especially when we're younger that doesn't scare us and that's usually not their natural form not their native form so are they it's shapeshifters like, are they shapeshifters uh yeah i'd go with that okay uh, literally yeah. yeah i would literally go with that um, so they try and adopt a form that won't scare us when we're younger. When we get a little older, it's like, well, you can see me the way I am. So when I did the hypnosis, I just saw her as Kinda a like tall thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. I couldn't help okay. myself. <laughs> so I, I, I've seen her in many forms, especially under hypnosis, but typically I see her as a tall, slender being, seven or eight feet tall. Um, which one no is this? Wait, which, which one? This, this is, is the, the one that you have regular the, contact uh, with. Being. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, tall, seven or eight feet tall, no hair. Generally, if she does appear with hair, it's blonde. But generally, no hair, bald, uh, larger head than normal. Eyes not huge, just slightly larger than normal. Not black. Um, so this is the way. Uh, hmm. This is her normal form, I believe. But she pops in JV in my dreams. Um, just to say I'm still around. <laughs> and she's told me under hypnosis, and I have the transcripts, that I'm pretty crappy at recognizing when she's here. <laughs> this is what she's basically saying. <laughs> she's saying, so wake, she's wake, wake up, Wes. Attention. Pay attention, Wes. <laughs> because I, I've gotten so mad. It's like, well, I want you to sit on the chair over here so we can have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, never going to happen. Um, but she's told me, and I saw this in the transcripts to double check myself. She said she's never not here. Oh. She's always here. But she pops in on dreams. I'm, I'm hanging out with a bunch of friends at a party in a dream. And there's this one person that's eight feet tall. Mm. That's right there. And it's like, oh, thanks. Got that. Okay. <laughs> you know, thanks for dropping in. <laughs> so, so let's fast forward to the 1980s experience. You, you described uh -huh. it for us. But what was the content? Do you remember how much detail? I mean, you obviously remember a lot of it because it's affected you your entire life from that point on. Mm -hmm. But uh, what was happening in this in this dreamlike state that wasn't a dream to you? Um, I, I think the overarching uh, storyline was emotion. Uh, and this is what I think happens in a lot of my experiences. They want to observe me uh, under duress under stress, mm -hmm. especially under stress. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be bad stress. It could be like birthday party stress, but they want to observe me under stress. So the overarching thing of the 80s experience was stress, and it occurred in two or three forms. Um, do you want me to, to walk through it or no? Yeah. I, 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 help us understand what was actually happening. Sure. I've never heard it. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, delighted. Yeah, for sure. Um, I found myself at uh, an airport two or three in the morning. Um, maybe unusual, maybe not, but I was the only one there uh, at, uh, at a departure lounge, just looking out in the darkness and seeing the occasional plane, the occasional jet take off. So that's not too unusual at this point. Um, so this is phase one. And then I was watching the plane and one of the planes burst into flames. Oof. And so it was like, wow. So first chance for them to observe me under duress, I'm freaking out. You know, I think a plane has burst into flames right before my eyes, and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And so I'm standing, thinking, who can I get? Where do I go? What do I do? Because it was dark 
there was nobody else around. I sensed that there was somebody standing beside me. He or it never let me get a good look at him. Kind of just off to the side, one side or the other. And just as I thought it was hopeless, um, stage two was I was on the plane. Ooh. So I was in the wow. rear washroom of this plane. Um, so you'll you'll soon find out this had to have been a psychic abduction or I wouldn't be here talking about it. Okay. Um, so I was in the rear washroom of the plane. I could hear the whoosh of the air, you know, the stuff you hear on a jet, the sure. usual. Mm -hmm. I could hear the turbines. I could hear the whoosh of the air. Um, uh, I knew that this plane had malfunction and that we were falling. And I had the sensation of falling. And this person lying in bed beside me in, in this world, um, I tried to reach out with her and touch her and say, you know, I love you. I'm here. Um, this is the end. I honestly, absolutely felt that was it. End of life coming up quickly. And so that lasted for 20 or 30 seconds. And then boom. And uh, um, blackness for a while. And uh, now I understand that was probably a, a slight period of missing time, as uh, people talk about missing time. So there's a period of blackness. So stage one and two are done. Stage three, uh, my eyes became accustomed to the darkness, and there was a set of doors I was supposed to walk through. And so I did. So stage three was just picture uh, a condo or an apartment that is so pristine, nobody could have ever lived in it just untouched, clean and orderly, and just that's, untouched. And that's what you entered when you went through the doors? Yep. And, and so this is not like, okay, there's nothing creepy about that. I agree, nothing on the surface creepy about it. I, um, I, I think just the contrary, I think the whole thing's been kind of creepy. You described <laughs> yeah. you yourself as the guy in the Twilight Zone episode when we first started this conversation. Yeah. And I'm seeing that this is an episode right here. You're, you're basically describing your own Twilight Zone episode. Well, I, I guess, I mean, I know some people definitely have that reaction on first hearing it. I have a good friend in, in Croatia who says, this stuff happened to you, man, that's a violation. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I, I got to walk around. <laughs> that's what she said. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's the way it felt to her. Sure. Um, I, I, I got to walk around this, this condo and I actually got to look at photo albums. And I was in them, not this guy, but I was looking at who... I apparently was there oh, wow. um, looking at myself with family that wasn't my family, looking at myself being married to someone else. And the thing is, uh, JV, it never changed. So it's not like a dream where that telephone yeah, on right. the counter disappears and appears. Yeah. And it was a black rotary dial phone. Hmm. Wow. So they had to pluck that from somewhere yeah. in here. Right right to put it there but it never changed the phone was there the little black book the photo albums the bedroom the living room everything was cohesive it was solid uh, nothing changed until i got so conflicted um, i started to think i don't know who i am or what i'm doing here um, this creature that was apparently in the room with me escorted me out and so he escorted me out across what seemed to be a tarmac of uh, some large airport, and then another of his type. And these were just brown-skinned beings, five feet tall, approximately, shirtless. I know it sounds crazy, um, but there was one on each side of me, escorting me towards what seemed to be a terminal. And then I looked down, there's a whole row of us, us meaning people, 
being escorted to the same terminal. And it's like, okay, I don't know what all these other people are doing here, but it looks like I'm supposed to so, go through this terminal. So in the beginning, when you were in the airport, you were sitting in the, in the uh, uh, what do we call it? The gate area, whatever that, I don't remember what you, right. what you said. And you were alone. You saw nobody else. Alone, yeah. So now as this story progresses, now you're being moved to a place where you see other people and you don't know what they're doing there. Uh, easily 50 to 100 people yeah. um, being walked across this tarmac or something towards the terminal. And I thought, I had this weird thing like, and they probably put this thought in my mind, well, you have to clear customs. <laughs> you know, this is what's <laughs> going through my mind. <laughs> it's like, okay. And so they walked me through a turnstile and then there's this device that looked like a, a tube standing on its end. It had a cone on the top and a similar one on the bottom and a door that swished open. And I thought that was an elevator. I've since come to understand it's something else, but I thought it was an elevator and it was an elevator for one person, just me. And mm -hmm. so the door closed. Um, I was literally blinded. The light was so bright from above and below me. I couldn't stand it, the light and I felt motion, right? And I felt like I was falling. Um, in a few seconds, the door opened, and there I am back at the airport where I started. Did wow. you feel and, throughout this process, did you feel that you were being compelled to continue through this series of places, or were you, were you eager to do? Did you feel a, a sense of uh, urgency, or were you eager to, to continue on or reluctant? Did, did you not even have a sense of how you felt in that regard? I, I had a mixture of emotions. Um, I got to a stage of inner conflict where I didn't understand if I was supposed to be where I was, mm -hmm. if that was my real place, um, whether it was the place I lived at or a place I visited. I was conflicted and confused. I did not know if I was supposed to be there. And when I started to get a little out of control, that's when they they cut off the experience. And I'm going to let Britt take it after this, but the quote unquote elevator, the, for one that you got in and you were blinded and you had a sensation of falling in retrospect, do you think that was some type of physical scanning device? Like were they, were they scanning you in some way or did you actually move? Were you actually moving? Do you think? I think it was a, a transportation device. Okay. Um, of some hmm. kind. There's a there's a thing called the Montauk chair, which you've probably heard before, mm -hmm. or Montauk device. Um, I think it was a kind of device that moves you from realm to realm or place to place. This is what I think in retrospect. Okay. And this whole story is that 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 one night in the '80s that gave you your experience that woke you up. Yes. How long How long do you think this whole process took? Uh, according to Earth time, would you? Can you guess? In real time, I don't know. Thirty to forty-five minutes, if it was contiguous or you, continuous. Are you still with the same partner that you had back then that you are today? No. 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 no okay. Uh, no. Um, so now, when you're dreaming and then you're going off to the uh, astral plane doing your thing. Does your current partner now notice, like, do you twitch? Do you move? Do you act some stuff out? I mean, when you're asleep, are you just, is your body just perfectly still and you're doing your thing and she would never know the difference if you weren't telling her? She would know sometimes. That's a, a really good question, Britt. She would know sometimes, um, but she, 
she's a heavy sleeper, unlike my ex, right? So she's a heavy sleeper. <laughs> and so, so I'll wake up with not screaming, but I'll wake up in a panic sometimes. And she's just dead asleep beside me. It's like, thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you love me vulnerable. <laughs> um, but uh, she okay, might so, not know a lot of what? times. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing like, obviously this, this big, long uh, process you just articulated mm -hmm. out for us, um, which I guess we can extrapolate for maybe not the exact same thing, but it's pretty detailed what you're doing, what you're experiencing and what your body's doing and all the stuff that they're doing to make you feel like you're really in the scene that they've set for you. So now mm -hmm. today, like, do you, when you come out of this or you wake up the next morning, do you like wake up the next morning? And you're like, Oh, I'm exhausted. I need a good night's sleep. Like, does it take energy out of you? And you don't, even though you, you were out catatonic, you were just out, but you burned a lot of energy going through all this. So it's like, you didn't even sleep. Dead on, dead on comment. I, I will get up some mornings thinking, what the hell just happened? What happened overnight? I have no cause. Then you get a nap. I didn't nothing. <laughs> I desperately need it. I mean, I'll, I'll get up and I'll feel horrific. You know, like run over by a truck. I'm not sick. I don't have the flu, not COVID, not anything. Um, I just get up and feel awful. And I think I was busy last night. This is all wow. I tell myself. Okay, I don't so remember. You tell yourself you don't remember. Okay, so let me ask you yeah. this then. Is it, is it possible for you to maybe, you know, hey, in my dream while I'm doing it, I'm going to go for a jog and lift some weights, you know, lose a little weight, tighten. Can you do that while you're sleeping? And then when you wake up, you don't have to worry about going to the gym? <laughs> I wish I could say, uh, no, I, I have to go to the gym. My gosh, I'm going tomorrow, please. <laughs> I got to go tomorrow. Let's kill some stones. Let's, let's kill multiple birds with one stone. Oh, yeah, so, I need to go to the no, gym too. Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. So no sleepwalking, um, no sleep action, sleep talking periodically, but just feeling like, okay, I was real busy. Or I'll wake up and some experiences will have the hallmark of an abduction. That's all. Anyway, I got another question. Um, so yeah. have you been like in, in your in your connected state and they like give you a little hint that maybe you have a buddy at work that's about to dirty deal you or maybe you're going to get a promotion at work so make sure you go and be prepared or do you ever get like little insights on your in your life or what's coming up, what's going on or maybe some past ex explanations you don't really understand why, why what happened happened. They go, well, it happened because of this, this, and this. Any of that kind of information flow happen? So that that also is a great question because it is it precognitive? You know, is it coming from my psychic self? Is it coming from somewhere else? Um, periodically, I'll go through all the emotions and histrionics of a traumatic event before it occurs. So that has occurred to me. Um, uh, for instance, many, many, many years ago, a breakup that had not occurred yet, and I went through it all uh, months in advance. I want to just give us a, a sense of you've talked about your relationship with with uh, particularly the one being uh, the Palladium yeah. that, you, that you mentioned. But what is this? What is the purpose of the relationship, if for lack of a better word? Are they trying to get you to do something? Are you learning from them? Are they learning from you? Is this part of a greater plan that we're all going to be waking up to one day? What do you think's happening? 
I think, JV, it really is an exchange. I really think it's an exchange, an exchange of knowledge and information. Um, I don't think they need to take DNA samples anymore. That's ridiculous at this point. You know, how many decades worth of that do they really need? Have we changed dramatically? So I think it's an exchange, and I think it's an awareness piece. And when I think about myself, it's like if people look at me and think, you know, could I be that way? I'm not encouraging people to think they are this way, but if they think, could I have gone through that kind of experience? I can't explain certain things. Can you survive going through that kind of experience? Can you integrate it? The answer is yes to all that. You know, it's yes to all that. And so my thinking is I was, you know, I had to decide subconsciously, am I gonna wake up in this lifetime at some point and say, this is what happened. So I'm either going to let it wash over me or I'm going to do something about it positively. You, uh, Britt had brought this up. You have communications now with other experiences, other people that have had uh, similar mm -hmm. types of encounters. Um, but what's your advice to somebody who may be like you were in 1980? You had an experience, mm -hmm. couldn't make heads or tails of, out of it. You didn't do anything about it at the time, but it's haunted, it haunted you for 17 years. Uh, mm -hmm. So there are people that have had these types of experiences and don't know what the first step is. What, what advice would you give them? I, I say the first step is find somebody you trust, family or not, and tell one person. You know, I had told my ex, the person I was living with, and going through this, and she had thought it was curious. I don't know if she fully subscribed to it, um, but neither was she lacking in supporting me. And then I told a friend that I knew who was a close colleague, and then I decided to seek hypnosis, but tell someone, take the first step. I thought I could never integrate this into my life and continue to function as a normal person, but I did, there was a way. And is it because by opening up about it, it actually, that is a therapeutic process in itself? Um, another pretty well-known, I don't know what you think of him, Randy Kramer, mm -hmm. told me at one point, um, it'll be the best thing you can do is to come out and start talking about it. Yeah, I mean, and I he proved right. I suppose it's like most emotions. If you bottle them up, they have they 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 manifest themselves in destructive ways until you're able to release them, and at that point, uh, you 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 can actually start benefiting from that release itself. And I think you're kind of saying the same thing here. I am, you know, I got on with my life and I thought for the longest time, how can anything else interfere with my fate and destiny? And, and it was about time I accepted it because until I accepted it, I was still going like that, you know, hand forward. No one's allowed to do that. Well, apparently they are, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's so much more to your story, Wes. We just, we've um, almost run out of time here. So I hope you'll agree to come back at some point. But before we Love let you, we, yeah, before we let you go, you've got a couple books out uh, for people. You also have a website that's got a lot of information on it. Tell us about the books. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular order that you recommend people read? I think you've got two books available right now. Um, the first book called Intersections. Um, was done by myself and Leslie, so it's co-written. She analyzes the experiences in the book. That one there, thank you very much. Um, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Leslie, I talk about something I've been through. Leslie does a little analysis on it. So I'd say look at that first if you're interested in that kind of book and then an experiences garden. Uh, and I'm thinking about we all live in a garden and we're still learning to explore it. So this, this is my garden, a collection of experiences I tried to identify. 
And do you, uh, I imagine you uh, go to some of these, uh, what we would call experience your events or, or UFO uh, conventions and maybe tell your story at these things. I don't know if you do or not, but do you make appearances like that? I, you know, pre-pandemic, absolutely. Yeah, right, um, right. <laughs> a lot of that hasn't happened. Most of the appearances are, are virtual. There's no Alien Cosmic Expo. There's something happening in Michigan in September. That might be the soonest opportunity I would get. But I'm always open to that for sure. And is it on? Is information about that stuff on your website? WestGRoberts.com. Perfect. Wes, thank you so much awesome. for being here. Terrific guest, amazing story, and we appreciate your optimism. And you've told this entire thing with such a positive energy uh, that that is, is reassuring um, because I've heard people who are still afraid of their experiences and they, they really harbor a lot of fear. Uh, you don't seem to, which uh -huh. is great to hear. I work through it, JV, and it's not that I don't have nights when I need the lights on. That yeah. still happens. <laughs> I can imagine it would. I can imagine. Again, thank you, Wes. Great to have you here, and we'll we'll look forward thank to having you, you back JV, on. For it. All right. Nice um, meeting you, Wes. Yeah. So, Wes G. Roberts nice is you as well. Wes G. Roberts is uh, Roberts is the website. You can go there. There's information about his story, his books, and uh, if I get, I'm assuming there's a, uh, appearance information there when he has an opportunity to post it. So, WesGRoberts.com. Um, these stories are always yeah, fascinating because there are a lot of common themes when you talk to different people who've had a similar uh, experience. There are these little nuances throughout the stories that are very, very similar. And, um, you know, so so there, it adds a level of, of uh, curiosity to it, in my estimation, because, uh, you know, they, they're all having very similar experiences. Yeah, that, and that's why I was asking about that now that, he's open and talking in the group and they're that's why are, are we compiling this information to you know build a what is it the yarn diagram thing where yeah. everything connects yeah you know, six degrees of kevin bacon <laughs> right. going on and, and try you know and try and figure out what is i will tell you this jv i was thinking about when he was talking about his stories and sleeping and it, i have noticed that since we shifted to the, i shifted with to you on this show, yeah. talking about the subject matter that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. or what have we been doing this now? Almost two months now, I think. Uh, in there. Yeah, well, we uh, did the, the rebranding. Yeah, I think that we did the rebranding in April. So, um, yeah. So, I have I have noticed uh, since I started doing the show, like I'll be asleep at night and I'll kind of, you kind of roll over and you kind of open your eyes a little bit, and there's a gigantic something something standing over against the wall, like looking at me. And I will have to like turn the lights on and then it's, oh, was it really those clothes with that baseball hat up there that really gave me that look? And then, you know, or, or the, the next night or, or another time in that sleep cycle of one night, you know, I'll kind of open my eyes and it'll look like there's something moving around humanoid-esque or whatever on the floor. And then I have to like focus on it and then take my phone and flash a little bit of light on it. And it's like, oh, it's just a chair with, oh, and then there's the cat scratch arch there. And But I've never had that problem before until I started doing this. <laughs> Is this because uh, you're, not you're hearing the stories of of uh, our guests? They're interesting stories. They're, they're staying with you, and and you're starting to incorporate some of those stories into your dreams? What's happening here? Uh, maybe. Or are I you having know, something else maybe... going on? Yeah, or, or did I have this all shut out before? Because, yeah. you know, when I left Ghost Hunters, I was so burnt out on all that. I just was, I didn't want, I, no more bumps. No, I don't <laughs> want to know. I just shut. But now that we started doing it, am I starting to see that? Is, or 
or because we're talking with these guests that yeah. have these attachments or these overlords or these seers or these observers, they're like, well, that guy's pretty screwed up and crazy. Let's go see what he's all about. He's a little messed up. He's, you know, doing acid and DMT, even though I'm joking, but maybe they don't know that. Yeah. So they're coming over. To, I don't know. All I know is I used to sleep like a rock and I could open my eyes in the middle of the night. And I knew exactly what was going on. And I go, all right, I'm going to sleep until it's starting to do the show. And it's like, what the hell is that? And then I kind of get, you know, I mean, I had a wicked, wicked nightmare a few nights ago. Uh, maybe maybe a couple weeks ago now. I'm horrible with time. But such a nightmare that felt so real, I woke up in a panic. But it was like it was this black devil mountain crawling around the bed. And oh, my God. Coming, uh, like, like, like legit. And it was right after we were talking to that person. I, I forgot who it was we were talking to, but I started asking about religion and demons and stuff. And then all of a sudden, I get this crazy-ass dream that literally I woke up. My heart was racing. I couldn't go back to sleep. You know what? You know what? Like, when, I I was, when I was eight years old, seven years old, I wanted to watch the movie Dracula. And my mother said, no, okay. no, Jimmy, you're too young to watch the movie Dracula. You can't watch it. I was pissed off. But you know what never happened? I didn't have nightmares about Dracula at eight years old. So maybe I'm going to have to start filtering some of this content for you, Britt, because you seem to not be able to handle it when you go to bed. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. It's not like I'm, like, terrified. But it's like, why now am I seeing this? Yeah. Why now oh. am I – is it because my filters are opening back up and I'm kind of, because I truly believe that a lot of us, when we're growing up, that you know, you don't have a, you don't have an invisible friend, Jimmy. Jimmy, that that you're making stuff up. Stop making. And we we just filter and we shut it down. The brain closes it all, and then you know we start to play with the ghosty stuff and reach out and we start to experience stuff. So then we our filters loosen to where we can experience more and more stuff. I think mm -hmm. kind of how that works. And I wonder if that's just what's happening now. But did just by talking to these people, am I opening a door to let them come observe me? Well, I think if I nothing really else, I really don't want them watching me in the middle of the night. I don't know if they're observing you or not, but I think if nothing else, you're opening your mind to these ideas that you probably haven't even thought of because you haven't had these conversations before. You know, uh, so maybe that's what's happening. You're you're opening, and your mind is just wrestling with some of these ideas, wrestling with the, yeah, with well, the maybe, and maybe, maybe, maybe. You're you're having your mind open is allowing some of this phenomena to reach you. I don't I don't know because I don't want any more knowledge about what happens to you while you sleep. I just don't want any to know any more <laughs> because I've actually shared a hotel room with you before, and that's enough. Yes. That's, I got enough in, uh, when we did that. Um, I you know do you know the Mothman story? Are you really familiar with the the story of the Mothman? I know of the Mothman story. I know bits about it. I'm not immersed okay. in it. Well, as uh, Wes was telling uh, parts of, of his experience, I couldn't help but go back to think about uh, there are parts of the Mothman story that involve these human-like, almost human beings that show up in various places. Their clothes don't fit quite right. They ask, they don't know what a pencil is. Like There's one famous story where one, one of these beings went to the reporter that was reporting on the story was trying to talk to this reporter. She handed him a pencil and he didn't know how to use it kind of thing. You know, and as Wes was saying, this, the little girl didn't know what a refrigerator yeah. was, didn't know what a chair was, didn't know how to use the steps. So, you know, again, I, I keep talking about there are other uh, people that have had experiences very similar to what Wes was describing, which makes it all the more interesting. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, that was, it was great to. I wish we had more time with him because, like I had said uh, when we were letting him leave, uh, we only scratched the surface, and there was so much more we needed needed to ask, and we just didn't get an opportunity to this time. We'll have to have him back. Yeah, we're going to do that for sure. Yeah, I'm going to tell sure. Eddie to do. Um, I just hope up. I don't have. 
I just hope I don't have his crazy dreams tonight. <laughs> yeah, now you're going to have those dreams. Yeah. Good luck, Brad. <laughs> don't take an Ambien. Well, don't are, take an Ambien because you, you will be having, you'll be out in the middle of the street having those dreams. <laughs> well, good thing naked. we're having, what, Lisa, was it Lisa? Huh? Yeah, naked. Oh, Leslie. <laughs> Well, we have Leslie on yeah. on the 16th. I did look it up. It is the 16th. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to do a session with her. Yeah, you know, well, I was going to say that. I was maybe you need to do a a, a hypnosis session to see what 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 things are lurking in your head. Actually, I don't. Again, I don't want to know what's lurking <laughs> in your head. <laughs> oh my God! Listen to you. Uh, oh. All right. Well, let's do a couple trivia tri- time. Yeah, let's do a couple trivia qu- questions. Chat's asking for it, so we like to end the program with with this. And uh, have a little bit of fun. Although we had, we did, we did quite a bit of laughing tonight, which is always nice too. Um, who do we have? Who's is is Leslie's not our next guest, is it? No. Uh, while you're getting trivia ready, I'll look it up. Yeah, I've got trivia ready, so you didn't look it up fast enough. Well, premature. Come on. Hmm. Uh. Yeah, Leslie is two weeks away. Okay. So. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's right. We have uh, Patricia. Mm, man, I'm, I'm not remembering the names now. Darn it. We have Tabe Johnson. Okay. Oh, Toby Johnson. Yeah, not Tabe. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, Toby. I, I, it, the, the, I had to open it up to see. Is Toby Johnson the singer? Uh, and then Patricia Mona next Thursday, the psychic. Right. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, I think uh, Toby is with somebody else, isn't Isn't to, Isn't it two people that night? You don't have to look. I just, what well, doesn't matter? Let's do these trivia questions so people can, people can go to bed. Um, all right, ready for number one. In Greek mythology... What is an amphisbena? An amphisbena in Greek mythology. What is it? Go ahead, uh, chat. Brett Etchenberger. Okay. With Toby. I still, I don't know. I don't remember what, what they're going to be talking about, but I'm sure it'll be fun. Bigfoot. Oh, okay, good. Good. Uh, what was the question? The again? question is, is the in question Greek, again? yeah, in Greek mythology, what is an amphisbena? Amphisbena. Yeah. Amphisbena. Or is it Ampa, Ampis, 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 Ampis I don't know how. I mean, I Ampis guess it's Amphitheater, but the, maybe it's Ampis Baina. Baina, Baina. So Ampis Baina. I'm going to go with, it is, uh, it is, uh, uh, um, oh, I totally forgot the dude's name. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Ampis Baina. Thank you for that clip. I'll cut that out for later. <laughs> um, Ampis Baina. Is an amphitheater where the pains in our, our the pains in our ass pontificate at, kind <laughs> okay. of like our politicians. Gotcha. And they pontificate about stupid stuff about how they're going to overlord us. So it's in an amphis bana. It's an amphitheater. It's an amphitheater of pain. Okay, nice. Uh, in chat, we've got one of their gods. We've got an ant eating serpent. We've got a big bana, <laughs> something from the sea, a water sprite, uh, a staff. A serpent. And my YouTube chat is not working. And it's working here, so maybe you have to refresh. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so a whole bunch of... Okay, so again, the question is in Greek mythology, what is an Ampis Bena? The answer is... Turn it over here. Oh, somebody knew... Uh, FU knew this. Um, an ant-eating serpent. Wow, okay. It's with two heads, one on each end of its body. Later, the term was repurposed as the scientific name for a real species of worm lizard. So it was wow. a, myth- a mythological creature, and then it became the name for uh, a real creature. <laughs> Hawaiian F- in town. It's the wife, the bane of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, here we go. We've got we've got a twofer here on this ca- a trivia Woo! of the day calendar. So this is a weekend page, and we'll have two, and then we'll finish up. What breed of dog yodels instead of barks? What breed of dog yodels instead of barks, Brit? That would be a. Uh, it is a. It is a. Um, it's an exotic dog, and I believe it's from the the Middle East somewhere. It's called a, a Basenji. And it is it it, it literally yodels. It's a yodel. And I believe the dog's breeding was for warning. It would it would sit on top of the the castle walls or whatever in the Egyptian area. And then when it would see someone it would start area. yodeling, yeah. and that in the yeah, and it would it would that's what would uh, uh, notify the guards. Oh, uh, trouble's coming. Um, release the cats in the Egyptian area. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yes. so here's the thing, chats. Uh, even more important than whether or not uh, you know the answer to this question is Brit giving a real answer or is he bullshitting us? Which of the ah, two is happening it, right here? Is, is, is that a game called Boulder Dash? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So and if, if you don't have an answer, tell me if you think Brit's answer is legitimate or he just made all of that up. <laughs> Now, if you know Brit, you probably already have the answer. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. F you says you're being truthful. Okay. Uh, we have a hound dog. We've got if a blood you know, hound. We've got a husky. We've got a St. Bernard. We've got a beagle. No. Uh, let's see what no, else. Th- those howl. They howl. It's different than a yodel. Yeah. Swiss doodle. Yeah. I mean, immediately you'd think Swiss Alps. Some kind of Swiss Alps dog. A couple of people... Uh, Okay, uh, we're getting. What did, what did you say the breed was? It's a Basenji. Okay. It has a really cool coat too. It's real cool. Yeah. Real cool color. I am it's seeing. Small dog. It's, I am, uh, it's like the size of a large cat. I am seeing Basenji in the chat room. So I think Britt might have actually told the truth this time. I think it's maybe the only time Britt has actually given a legitimate <laughs> answer to the question. And the answer is yes, Basenji. Another unusual Basenji quirk: they groom themselves like cats. Yep. Did you know that too? Yes. Where did you get all yes. this knowledge about the Basenji from the Egypt area? Uh, my kids had them. <laughs> oh, really? Had one. Yeah. Oh, cool. And the, right. I, I don't know. I I know that I, I don't know exactly where that that was a little bit of fibbing there, but I know Egypt, <laughs> Egyptians have the I know Egyptians have the cat they, they, the cat guards. That's why I was saying release the cats. Yeah. So you're you're basically embellishing what you knew. You were embellishing. Yep. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, okay. Final question of the night. Yeah, a final question of the night, and we are done. What city is nicknamed Harbor City? What city is nicknamed Harbor City? That's in New Jersey. Harbor City, New Jersey is where they dump the Italian death bodies. You should the Italian death bodies. Yeah, the Italian death bodies. Yeah, yeah, the Italian death bodies where you know the the mob goes out and you know takes care of the stuff at the docks. I know what they do. Yeah, very familiar. Yeah, Harbor. It's in New Jersey. I just don't, I can't remember the Absecon Lighthouse. Absecon Light? No, that's Atlantic City. Uh, Atlantic City. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm going with New Jersey. I just don't know the name of the city, but it's Harbor City, New Jersey. Okay, so what city is nicknamed Harbor City, and you're saying it's Harbor City? <laughs> is that no, your I'm answer? I'm just saying it's in New Jersey. I, okay, I can't remember the damn name. All right. uh, although it could be, it could be, it could be Long Beach, in uh, because it has uh, the second, uh, actually has the world's largest port is in Long Beach. Uh, so it could be Long Beach, California. Okay. All right. Well, the answer's coming in harbor. from Chad R. Let's see here. Baltimore, Annapolis, Seattle, Sydney, Seattle. Yes, New Jersey, 
Bayonne, Baltimore. Uh, Sergeant Peterson says Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, Phoenix, Arizona is known as Arbor City. Uh, Tampa, okay. Bar Harbor, a lot of great guesses. What city is nicknamed Harbor City? Britt said it's in New Jersey. Let's see here. The answer is Sydney, Australia, which was once a major port city. The iconic Sydney Opera House sits on the harbor. So there you go. Right. There we go. That was wrong. Wasn't New Jersey. It was around the world no, from New Jersey. No. All right. Imagine that. If you get you a go. minute, if you get a minute, yeah, we are. If you get a minute, please uh, like, follow, and share the program. If you're a podcast litter listener, please do the same. By the way, I need to mention something, and I keep forgetting to do it. We have so many supporters of the podcast. There's a there's an ability through the podcast app to click on support the program. It allows people to make a contribution. It's like a monthly contribution. It can be as little as 99 cents. Now let's face it, even in tough times, 99 cents is like the stuff is like what you find in your couch cushions. So um, we appreciate that kind of support. And if you uh, feel so inclined, it helps us pay for the software, the equipment that we need to do the program, um, all of that, you know, and, 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 you know, merch when we were able to give, get some and send it away, which we're working on, uh, having some things that we can give away, that kind of thing too. So if you get an opportunity, um, whether you're a podcast listener or not, but if you are a podcast listener, it's very easy. It's right on the, in the app there. Uh, we, we'd like uh, to thank you for that kind of support. We have several people that have done that, many, many people that have done that. And thank, thank you to all of you. Uh, and also if you're a podcast listener, please feel free to share the program. The, each episode of this program gets about 12,000 downloads in 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 Jeez. like in like real time. So there are a lot of people listening in the podcast world and we appreciate them. We don't get to talk to them live like we do the uh, this live program chat room stuff that we've got going on here. But we do want you to know that we appreciate you and we thank you for supporting and listening to the program. And how can you not? We have such great guests like Wes G Roberts yes. we had on tonight. We've had some really hey, terrific people. And I'm amazing. And and Britt is so, amazing. Yes. Words are yeah. his second language, but don't he doesn't let that yep, stop him. For sure. <laughs> All nope, right. Never Any, once. Anything else? Never you, once. Anything else you need to talk about before we call it any night, or are we done? Nothing. You will let me talk about. Yeah, that's that's quite true. So I would say in that instance we are done. I'm just trying to see if there's anything else I need to pull up here. No, I think we're good. All right. Listen, everybody, have a great right, night. Have a great here. weekend because we won't see you until Tuesday night. Love you all. Hot shit.